Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. All right. Good morning. We are here for another week of the Paula Price Show. And I tell you what, we are counting down. We are going live on social media. And then we will be live here in Tulsa. What's going on social media? How are you doing out there? Paula Price Show, Blog Talk Radio, listening. We're here. This time next week, we will be in full-blown Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute mode. There is no turning back. There is no, there is no point of return here. We are there. And so we're really excited about that counting down the days to disrupting prophets of the pagan age, confronting the darkness. And there is plenty of darkness to confront. But guess what? This is not God's first rodeo. He knows how to take down the enemy. We're the ones who have blown this thing up in our minds, made it super huge. And so we're going to have Prophet uh, Hakeem and Naeem Collins, Jeff Sievers, Chief Prophet Paula Price, of course, the one and only Dr. Paula Price, Prophet Angela Yamiba, and myself will be teaching evening sessions as well. And we have a power-packed, action-packed, Holy Spirit-packed event. And anybody we've talked to about TPTI is saying that they can sense the fire of God on this. First of all, in our church service at the Congregation of the Mighty on Sunday, we were out. I mean, people were all over the floor. They were on chairs. They were on the stage. They were everywhere. God moved all by himself. And I tell you what, it wasn't somebody running through the room laying hands on people. It was the Lord taking people out and taking them over so he could do what he had to do. He was cleaning out. He was strengthening us. He was casting stuff off by his own hand, by the finger of God. You know, we always want to know, what does that mean? What does that mean by the finger of God? But it was there. He was running, and we were out, and then up, and then out, and then up, and then over. And then Dr. Price came in, and then it was over all over again. <laughs> so those of you who are watching online were waiting. When are they going to go live? As soon as we get up off of the floor, somebody's going to hit a button. That is how juicy it was. And when the Lord does something like that, it is not so we can have a feel-good. That's just an amazing side effect of his presence and his visitation. But it's to get busy and it's to get to work. And we know that we are about to get busy for the Lord in his kingdom. TPTI, Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, it is not too late to register. If you can make it your business to be here, be here. I always say, because I was taught this from our chief apostle, Dr. Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary and so many other things, it is not good for a prophet to miss their own timing in windows with God. We can stand here, prophet's out of this, prophet's out of that. And the minute our emotions get involved, the minute our money gets involved, the minute our feelings get involved, <clears throat> all of a sudden, we're not quite sure. I don't know if it's time. I don't know, whatever. This is not the year to miss God. This is not the time or the season to not be where you are supposed to be. 
This week we are rolling out. It is actually available right now, and it is posted on Dr. Price's Facebook. I know it will be up on her website as well. She did a closed session webinar. Right, Rachel? Rachel was there. She was there because she was on tech. Let me tell you something. Serving the right people, that's the best place you can be. Now, you're going to pay the price for it, but my God, you're going to reap the rewards. And you can't even explain. When they're like, how can you do this so many years? I'm like, how could I not? I mean, plenty of people didn't, and plenty of people won't. And that's fine because that's less people that I have to fight trying to get in my seat. <laughs> can I say it? Because I just did. It's true. <laughs> but whenever you serve, yes, it is tremendously demanding, but wow, is it rewarding when you serve the right leaders. When you serve righteous leaders, you have righteous rewards. When you don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just so happy that God chose me to be with this apostle. I said it from day one. At that time, there were other big ministers in town and other things and ministries, and I'm like, I'm, God, I'm glad that God chose you for me or me for you. I wasn't really sure how it worked at the time. I was just happy we were together. But she was in this training, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet, Prophetic Standards, protocols, and performances. She taught from the book, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet, which is not on the market, and from what I understand, will not be on the market anytime soon. So this is the best way to get it. So many of you prophets out there who knew Dr. Price from back in the day and had the book, they're like, please, when is this book going to go back? Albert, I am here. Well, first of all, you need to enroll in Price University, go to school. We have a school now, right? But Having said that, the book is not going to be out on the market, as far as I can tell, anytime soon, as in its entirety, although she did talk about revamping a few things. In the meantime, you want to make it your business to enroll in this class. It is open right now. It's watch at your leisure. There's not a scheduled lecture. It is already a pre-recorded webinar. And she addresses, this is for advanced profits. So you really do need to be somewhere on the advanced level or in the office. If you are just a prophetic gift, and I don't say just like it doesn't mean anything, but if you are a prophetic gifting, this teaching will be good information, but you really won't be able to do something with it because you're not, you don't do something with it. But if you are an officer wearing the title, knowing you should be in the office, this is for you. And I wrote in the description, are you a prophet ordained to confront the darkness? Daniel ordained to confront the darkness. Many prophets out there ordained to confront the darkness. Are you falling short of your ability to defeat pagan prophetics but don't want to admit it? We're falling short. That's really a rhetorical question. We're falling short. And I know we're falling short because we've lost ground. I mean, it's a given. How do you know you're falling short? Because our territory is shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Where are we going? Where, where, where are the saints? Over here in this corner? Towering in this corner over here? The laws are not in our favor. Judiciousness is not in our favor. Half of the church isn't even in our own favor anymore. Where is Jesus' Christians? Where are his prophets? This is for you. If you're like, you know what, I'm just, I just, I can see it, but I can't attain it. I, I know things should be different, but I don't know how. Educate yourself. Don't just move on inspiration. Don't just move on revelation. Build yourself up on education. So you want to do that. Topics that she addresses are prophetic ethics. Who says that together? See, we talk about charismata, the anointing. The anointing was heavy. Okay, but are they ethical? We talk about that. Prophetic rules, 
New Testament prophet duties and responsibilities, the big question is always, what's the difference between the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets? It's a great question with a fantastic answer that if you have not heard Dr. Price teach on already, you will learn about in this training. She also addresses spooky and superstitious prophetics <laughs> because we're spooky and superstitious because if you don't have Jesus Christ, then you're going to replace him with something else if you're still going to move in these offices. You get desperate. You get out there. We have prophets who have visited shamans, trained by uh, witches, trained by psychics, uh, telling each other that psychics are just prophets, not for Jesus. I mean, it's, it's a whole mess. And it's easy to sit there and sound off on social media and post blasting people for doing it wrong, but it is a different type of responsibility to actually become a part of the solution. Anybody can point the finger when somebody's wrong. What do we say? Hindsight is always 2020. Yes, it's easy to say, oh, they didn't do this, and they shouldn't do that. But how are you guaranteeing that you won't repeat the cycle? And please don't think that because you don't have it in your mind to fall from Christ that you won't. I'm pretty sure that a lot of these people out there today did not set out saying, boy, I'm really going to let God down one day. Yeah, I'm really going to sell his people out. I mean, there are some, and that's scriptural as well, that are intentionally seducing his body into something else. But there are a lot of people who have fallen into error. They were raised up by corrupt leaders, and so they're perpetuating corruption because they don't know any differently. So let's be a part of the solution, constructing the contemporary prophet, prophetic standards, protocols, and performances. You know, protocols is like, I think I might change my middle name to protocol. <laughs> Possible Ashley protocol later. It just fits. <laughs> because I just know, and it is in my DNA. And to sit under that type of teaching and training eliminates questions. You begin to see error coming in yourself. Again, we want to point it out in this one and point it out in that one and look at this apostle and how he's doing this. Look at that prophet and how she's doing that. But what are you doing? Again, what responsible thing are you doing to not be that? She talked about Samuel, David, Elijah, prophets being chief divine communicants. If you don't know the divine from the word of God, and if you have not had communication classes, then you're probably not the most effective prophet that you can be. You are limited. We really think that God is so powerful. Now, he is, he is so powerful that he will just override your lack of education. He will override your ignorance. He will override your lack and just put those words in your mouth that you can't even pronounce or say or even fathom. Now, that can't happen. There is a scriptural precedent for it, but I tell you what, it was an anomaly. It was not the norm. It was when he was shifting into something new, he would override the norm to download it, but after that, he set up protocols and establishments and standards. He won't send you to government if you don't understand government. Now, you may send yourself. He might send you if there's no one else around. But as the standard goes, you send people who are qualified in that strata. And we've done this. Whenever we give prophetic words and we do certain things, there are certain prophets, their mantle can't reach into that sphere. It can't, it's not open to them. And so we no longer call on them for those assignments. We call them, call them for the assignments in which they're called to and which they're trained for. You send somebody, you send a medical prophet in to prophesy about the medical field, 
they're going to start prophesying about laws you don't even know exist, diseases you don't even know are running around. We might get a glimpse. I see something hitting the body. You know, this would be us. I see, I see it hitting the body. That's nothing. All right, but it's hitting. But somebody in that sphere, if it's government, they're going to say this kind of law is coming down. You ever, we have attorneys, we have people in all strata in here. And when we put them in their, their sphere to pray, woo, they go in on it. They are decreeing and declaring and binding, loosing, casting things that I didn't know was even an option to pray. I said, oh, let me write that. Down. Hold on. In the future, I need this. So this is how we pray this legislation through. Oh, this is the point where it always gets stuck. Oh, this is the person that's the problem. Oh, this is the one that we need to lose. And then all of a sudden, the whole sphere opens up. We have people in the medical field. And when we put them on assignments to pray, healing, oh, they go in. Now, they go in, join the marrow, because they know where the join the marrow are. <laughs> They're talking about blood cells and, and enzymes, and you get all kinds of nerve endings, and this bone, and that muscle, and this tendon. And, the, and all of a sudden, that prayer, you feel the power of God go right in there. Right there, because that's where they sent it. And we're just like, Lord, heal them. <laughs> Lord, be a healer. Be their deliverer. I cast down infirmity and affliction. That's, that's like where I am, okay? Now, I mean, I know some biology and anatomy, so I can go a little deeper than that. But I tell you what, one of our prophets in training, Marie, who just is finishing her master's in epidemiology, ooh, that's a whole different prayer experience down the street. So education is important. It's essential if you want to be effective and be the best. My challenge to you today is to take responsibility for being the solution and not just sitting in the safe place pointing at the problem. So that is, again, constructing the contemporary prophet, prophetic standards, protocols, and performances. I have found in my trainings over the years and training people that the ones who have the most difficult time are the ones who were placed in the title, given the title, not sure why they got in the office and didn't have to earn it. When they have to go back and do education, boy, it just like pounds on that flesh, but it pounds on the ego. It hits them really hard, and a lot can't finish because their ego can't take it. The reality that they've been in this position for a long time and haven't been groomed or trained or prepared to do it and may have perpetuated the problem quite by accident, that's a lot to swallow. But then those two are like, you know what? I didn't do any better because I didn't know any better. I know better now. I'm doing better. Let's go. That's who you need to be. Let's go. Let's move forward. And then this week's audio archive is, are you a sheep or a goat? Dr. Price, now I'm telling you, this is like 2003, okay, this recording, on point. She did teaching out of Jeremiah 3, and she pinpoints the practical reasons why the Lord uses sheep as an analogy for his people and how they differ from the goats. She talks in the beginning about how you cannot turn the ranks without turning the head and how much you try and move the feet, but the head has to turn for the body to turn. And actually go. Because the feet can swing a lot of different directions, a lot of different times, a lot of different ways. But once you turn that head, we're moving in that direction. And she said that we're crying for a move of God, but we're not sure we want to move. I'm like, did you preach this last week? <laughs> because it sounds like an on 
and we're not. So we want God to move without us moving because, again, we don't know how God moves, what that looks like. We want, what, a win? Here we come. Hold on to your, here we come. What is that? And so she said that we want God to move, but we're not sure we want to move. Explains a lot. She said, what, uh, what are you going to do with God's revival? We've made revival about how long we can praise and worship and how long we can dance and how long we can do. What happened in our church on Sunday? If somebody came in there, they said, oh, my goodness, you guys are in revival. So we need to stay right here. Like in our minds, having a revival is staying right here. How many days can we stay right here? How many days can God just come and just light the place up, but we don't go anywhere? How many times can he visit and we don't change the neighborhood and we don't change the city and we don't change laws and we don't deliver our people? They're walking out just as bound as they were when they came in and then they bring in their bound friends and stay bound together. How much money can we get? How much offering can we raise? How many numbers can we get? We had 7,500 people in tonight's revival service. And then what? And then what? When the Lord showed up, he put people to work. Praise his holy name. Don't ask for God to show up if you're not ready to work. And I mean work. We have people who come here, and they do not realize how hard we work. Right, AIT Tina? She's a hard worker, and she's like, y'all working hard. You work at me. <laughs> you, are, you are work. People come, and they're blown away. Why? Because in Christendom, we put all the onus on God to do things, not us. We pray and he does. No. We pray and we do. He gives instructions. We do. We research. We study. We stay up late. We have meetings. We plan. We do projects. We edit. We re-read it. We edit again. We revise. We go back and we work. Nothing is given to the grace. By the time things are given to you when you're great, it's because you've earned the right for gifts. But I promise you, in the beginning, you are always, always, always proving yourself. And so we work here. So it's like, oh, we, you were just in revival. And if when God is reviving, think about, uh, let's just say, a company that was dormant. You know, and it, it, it uh, was a factory that shut down. When they say we're coming in to revive this company, what does that mean? Everybody's going back to work. We have buildings in town now, just huge casino on the river that was shut down because of the flooding. Got it all taped off. Police sitting at the entrances because people are crazy, and you know they're going to try and rob the place. Oh, it's closed off. Try and get those machines and get in there. So if you have a factory that shuts down and they say, we're coming back in to revive it, we're having a restoration. When the city says they're having a restoration program, that means they start with how many jobs they're giving people, not how much time off. And when we think about revival, we think about time off, how much we don't have to preach, how many messages we don't have to prepare because God is showing up and we're in revival, so we don't even prepare because we're in revival. But in any other revival program and plan, there is a planner, there's a plan, there's execution, there's a strategy. But how about this? There's a goal. Where are we going? We have goals here. Price University, New Era Apostleship Restitution. If you want to know anything about Dr. Paula and Price, Chief Apostle, Chancellor, there's a goal for every idea. And a goal means a plan. How are we going to get from point A to point Z? In God, it's the same way. Why did he tell us to write the vision and make it plain? Not so we can read some good poetry, 
so we can pick it up and do something with it. We've made everything about God poetic and nothing about sweat equity. <laughs> we are sweating into our miracle. We've been playing step into your miracle. I think we need to play sweat into your miracle. <laughs> because you have to work to get a miracle. And once it's a miracle, you realize it's a miracle because you have earned the right for God to bypass systems to get you to a certain place. Many times when you need a miracle, it's because the opposition is so strong, you can't break beyond it in your own strength. But you have demonstrated that you will do something with that breakthrough. So we're crying out for revival. We're crying out for God to take the world back. But what are we going, are we in a place to actually keep it this time? Are we ready? This is why we're doing this, disrupting prophets of the pagan age, confronting the darkness, to do something about it, not just to talk about it, not just to prophesy about how it's going to change, but what is our role in the change? If you want to be a part of that change, you need to partner with us. Change agents, not charm bracelets. We're change agents. Agents have badges, they have access, they have weapons, but they have assignments and a strong accountability to an institutional system. And that's what prophets and apostles have, a strong accountability to this institutional system that we've made about families. That's why we're a mess. Because families are messy. I need one person to raise their hand and say their family isn't messy. <laughs> I know that's not true. See? You see? Everybody's family is a mess. When you treat each other messily, is that a word? Messily? You do that? We, we, you talk about each other, you love each other, you hate each other, you punish each other, don't have siblings because if you can survive siblings, you can survive the world. So family, we've made church family. We have more family counselors, more children's counselors, more marriage counselors. We've broken family counseling down into its component parts. That's how dysfunctional families are right now. Why? Because the family of God is dysfunctional. When we had it together, the world was together. For sure, our nation was much more together. Am I saying we were perfect? Not at all. We are on earth. So that's what we have. She talks about what are you going to do with God's revival. She talks about having young leaders over you, having somebody who is over an entire ministry who is hardly older than half of the congregation. Now, look. I am not downing young leaders. I was a young leader. I'm still a young leader. But I was a young leader at a certain level in covering people, under a covering, under a covering, under a covering. So we're not saying it's all or nothing. But you have to be in that right place. You are exposing yourself. You could be exposing your sheep. Let me tell you what, at 40 years old, there are things that I know now that I couldn't even fathom at 20. Handling at 30. Because you need every year every battle, every trial, and every warfare in order to cover sheep, not just preach to sheep. Anybody can preach. Kids can get up and bring a good word. But are you a covering? You made so much. Who's your covering? Who's your accountability? Who are you responsible to? Yeah, you can preach. Sure, you can prophesy. But can you cover? Can you handle the blowback? The devil's coming after you, your sheep, their children, their businesses. Is your mantle that strong? Do you have that much mantle, muscle power to really do it? Or are you out there anointed, affirmed, 
You can be promoted by some of the biggest things in the kingdom. It does not mean that you are ready to handle the devils that come after you, the seductions, or the amazing breakthroughs and opportunities. How many people do we see that really break down under a great opportunity? The, the pressure of success is just as crushing it can be as the pressure of defeat. And your soul has to be ready for both. So I just want to admonish a lot of young people out there, you're getting opportunities to lead and opportunities to cover. You have to be honest and even honest with these people out there to say, I'm not ready for that level. I'll come and bring a word. I can come and bring a message. But officially installing someone, that could be a different thing, especially if it's you as the, the main, main head. It makes a difference. She talked about the significance of sheep. Why did he pick sheep? And I thought one of the most amazing things that she pointed out was how you can take the sheep's wool and take their milk and do all those things, and they don't have to die for it. She said, you wear the hide of a cow, the cow is dead. She said, and then you're eating it for dinner. <laughs> so they had to be the sacrificial cow in order to cover the family. And she talked about the sheep and how, in fact, the more you shear them, the healthier they stay. The more you milk them, the healthier they stay. And how the shepherd, and, and what, how many things can you do with, with wool? Oh, my goodness. We, you can, and especially now with our technology now, much less what they did then. Many, many uses for sheep. Uh, and herds, she said, herds trample and flocks gather. Don't you want to get a teaching? <laughs> Right now? <laughs> and she said that liberated sheep are prey, and predators look to liberate you. These messages that are telling you you don't need a shepherd, telling you that your shepherd is the same as you, they're just giving a word, you know, we're all the same, all that, I'm telling you that's the doctrine of the devil, and it is to get you out there so you become prey. We have never seen more sheep slaughtered, attacked, businesses, homes, health, all of it on the brink of loss. Why? Because this liberation gospel has set them up to be taken out. Who are the most vulnerable kids in our country? The homeless ones. The ones on the street. No covering, no protection except each other. And the rules on the street, if anybody can survive living on the street, God bless you. Because that is something that is it's a whole other, literally, other world. It's an underworld. And so if you can survive that, predators coming at you, sleeping at night, you don't even know who's going to jump you, who's going to take your things, who are the most vulnerable children, the children in the system. Foster care. Why? Because you never know what you're going to walk into. Maybe this is going to be a good house. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're going to be abusive. Maybe they won't be. We don't know. So that kind of protection is very essential. I, I want you to get those two things for sure. Everybody can get today's audio. Are you a sheep or a goat? She talked about goats. You know, goats are some stubborn animals. They just chew on stuff. They don't technically eat everything, but they just chew it up. Have you ever seen the fainting goat? Yes. <laughs> Anybody ever see the fainting goat? They'll run, and everything that scares them, they just faint. And you'll have a whole pack of them. Why do you get a shimmy? You go, whoa, they'll just, oh, and they'll literally fall over. And so they're called fainting goats, sheep and goats. You need to look up fainting goats. It's kind of comical. I'm not sure why that happens or what the purpose is, but 
She she made a, a very important uh, segment of this. Can you believe this teaching was only like 35 minutes? I mean, all this stuff. And, and she asked the question, or she addressed the issue of why God chooses your shepherd. And she said, when you choose your shepherd, you're responsible for keeping them. But when God chooses your shepherd, then that shepherd is responsible for keeping you. That's a very interesting point because we've made church what? Subjective. This is the church that works for me. This is the anointing. This is the message. This is whatever. And we have really drifted off from allowing God to tell us where to go, which is why our Come Home campaign is so amazing because the Lord is telling people, you need to move here and do this. We've already had three people come home, what, last week? And then we have others coming for the event, and they're not leaving. <laughs> and so we're just filling this house, and that's what God is doing. But when, when you get a job, you don't pick your boss. This is your boss. I'm, I'm sorry. That just skeeves my anointing. Skeeves your anointing? Then I suggest you find that point. You might, you might need to work from home. You might need to be self-employed. Jobs don't care whether you like your boss or not. They, they don't care if, if you coagulate with them. They don't care if, if your personality is, I mean, we walked away from ministry on nothing. Well, you know, minister so-and-so just doesn't always say hi to me. Well, they stop in so-and-so's office, but they don't stop in mine. I mean, you start building up all of these cases that uh, on any other job you would think are ridiculous. So you quit your job because you didn't like the person two cubicles over? Well, why don't you just ignore them? Just nod and do your job and go home. I mean, is that why you're there to make friends? No. Why? Because we have diminished the value of the church so much that it really doesn't matter in our minds if we stay in one place or go somewhere else because it's just a church. I'll just find another one. Just how many times have Just shop around. Just look around. In Tulsa, there are 10,000 churches. I'm sure there are. There are at least eight. <clears throat> People tell you what you move to. Oh, just shop around. You just have to see what really works for you. You just have to see what anointing you like. You just have to see what message you like. You just have to do whatever. And then if you don't like it, you can move somewhere else. I mean, for the longest time, people rotated between the same five big mega churches in town. And I began to realize these churches aren't big because they're actually doing something. These churches are big because people keep rotating through them, sharing members, well, we're over here at the end. For the summer program, we go over here. Well, for the fall, we go over here. Well, we're only here because our parents go here. We just don't want to make them upset. And the more I began to talk to people, I realized a lot of people are in a lot of big churches not for anything they're getting from God. Well, my teenagers like this church, so we're going here. Does anybody care about the Lord? Is that even a reason why we go to church anymore? <laughs> Would you do that? I had to do that because, you know, in your mind, you really do believe that things are big because God is approving. And they're big because the power of God is so strong. And they're big. And these people are giving every reason but the Lord. Every reason but a message. Oh, well, we really like the praise and worship over here. I mean, the word is okay, but we're, we're just going to stay over here because, I mean, our family has been there for 25 years, and we don't want to be the first ones to leave. Okay. Okay. So you have got to approach things in the spirit of the truth, which we talk about a lot, and really begin to break it down. People used to try and convince me back in the day that the reason we weren't big was because our word was hard. No, no, our word is real. Our word is real. 
and you want to be fake. That's why you don't like it because you don't want the fake, well, you want the fake fluffy word. You don't want the real word. This is not hard. Not if you want to do it right. Nothing is hard if you want to do it right. People who want to do it right, they will stay. They will endure. Man, this was, yeah, this crushed me before. I was determined to finish. I was going to do it. That's right. Because every time I got that A on that test, I was like, yeah, I'm going to finish on top. And then I'm going to brag about how I got an A in this class. Not in Jesus. We don't want to get an A in Jesus. Anybody want to get an A in Jesus? Okay, we got some people in the studio. We want to get an A in the board. Why? Because we brought it down, made it easy, 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 easy. And it's so easy that people are not even saved in their preaching. We've made it so easy that people aren't even sanctified. And it doesn't even cross our minds to see if people are saved because we preach the gospel that, hey, Everybody's already saved. The love of God. I just said a prayer and everything was fine. And then we wonder why we're duped. We wonder why we're seduced. We wonder why churches fall into sin. Because the leaders are in sin. The leaders are not saved. Right? I mean, the word of God gives us all the signs and wonders that we need to look for. The marks of salvation. We have people clearly demonstrating the marks of Satan. And we're still saying, oh, no, no, that's just, that's, you know, that's just their weight. That's their anointing. Well, the, the God I serve, well, you know, between me and Jesus, he didn't convict me. of that. I don't, I don't feel that conviction. Well, that's your walk with God. That's not mine. Why have scripture? Scripture produces uniformity, but it produces safety for the saints, safety for the sheep, safety in the house of the Lord. We have got to get back to his word. And Dr. Price has been saying it like a broken record. The word, the word, chief prophetology, the word, the word. We all saying it now. Get in the word, get in the word, get in the word. There is not a solution that we're looking for that is not in the word of God. Am I right? Yes. So you don't want to miss it. Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, next week, we have staying over for Sunday, the Collins Brothers. We're going to be on the floor again. <laughs> <laughs> on the floor again. Like, God, what just happened again to us? Because they come bringing their own flame, and their flame combined with our flame is a blowtorch. That is going to blow us all over the place because God is in a mood and he has to strengthen. When he shows up, it's to strengthen. It's either to destroy or to revive, to wipe out or to strengthen, to renew or to eradicate. There is really no casual reason for God to show up. Hey, guys, how you doing? Well, it's Sunday. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. Congregation. Life gets sick. Oh, oh, look, there's praise and worship going on. No, 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 no. And when he shows up himself, you can tell the difference between when his angels are there, you're like, it's getting a little heavy, because those guys are a little heavy. But then when he shows up, we're Daniel, I can't, I'm out, this is too much, let me just strengthen you. The angel had to strengthen, he fell out with the angel, but he delivered. Last week, Dr. Price 
was running through her message. Did she get us last week or what? And she said, you cannot choose the agenda of God's enemies. And I tell you what, we are going to have to straighten ourselves out if we really, really, really want to get it right for God. We're going to have to have that hard reset that she's been teaching about, get down on our faces, get down on our knees, and repent. First of all, we just want to ignore the fact that we've messed up. You know, you ever had those people, well, if you don't say anything, and I won't say anything, and even though I really totally messed up with you, if you don't say it, I won't say it, and if you move on, then I'll move on, and then we're good, right? We're good? We're good? No. That's what we want to do with God. Well, I'm not gonna, we're not going to say anything at the church. Maybe he won't say anything, and then we'll just move forward, and we'll be all good. And then we'll be back on top, and everything will be fine. No. First, we must humble ourselves and pray. We have got to repent and turn from our evil ways, turn from our wickedness, turn from it in the house of the Lord first before we go demanding what the world does and we go demanding what these people do over here and demanding what they do over there. We need to get it right ourselves, humble ourselves, do inventory first ourselves. And the Lord's going to tell us, he said, no, but I'm cleaning out my church. Judgment's going to start to help us. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more sick, big ministers, sick, can't get healed, can't get whole. This, that thing's coming back on them. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people from the old move that are not exiting the planet in a very nice way. Why is that? Sometimes it's, you know, your body, it's just the flesh. And then other times, it's just you having to get paid by God for sins of the past. Because he will keep you in position until your replacement is ready. And then when the replacements are ready, you start seeing different retirement plans for different people. (laughs) (laughs) Your successor is ready. You come into your desk one day, and here's your retirement package. We've actually modified it a little bit from what you thought it's going to be. All those people that you molested in the back room, all those drugs that you were taking and selling, all that money that you were laundering and nobody knew, all that cursing and profanity that was going on behind the scenes, all these people crying out to God because of unjust leaders. He has to do something with that. Sometimes God has to smack people down so that the people who are crying out to him because of injustice can see that God is just God. And we don't want to think about that. We really don't. There are some guys, some of these guys, they're going out, men, women, old, I mean, they're going out on top. The soldiers, the generals in the kingdom, yes, you know. Until Billy Graham, I said Billy Graham was Teflon. Teflon Graham. All the days he went out still respected. That's like one in a generation, okay? We're trying to get a couple more. Scandal-free. Things showing up 20, 30, 40 years later, we're seeing it in celebrities. These people in their 80s and 90s going to jail for things that were done in 1977, 1985. Why? Because those crimes, those sins of those crimes are still going up. And while these people were cashing in, making their millions, destroying people's careers, abusing them, all kinds of things, that mess is also floating around in the body of Christ. And the Lord has to come and correct. So before we start talking about, um, I am slow to say that something is the devil. 
I'm slow. I've learned from my process, I'll just take that to prayer. Someone so got, wow, I'm just going to take that to prayer. And I'll know because I want to jump out there and say something and God will say, don't say it. Well, may the Lord's will be done. That's the scariest forever. May the Lord's will be done concerning your situation. Because that means he knows what his will is, and sometimes his is an own. And so we really do have to take that uh, mature perspective and recognizing that not everything that smacks somebody hard is the devil. And as we've learned here, why did God make provision for it? But we're out of our scriptures. We don't really know the Lord. We don't really know his mind. We don't really know his ways. We want to have the Facebook God. I want to go see his post. Not have a conversation. Not learning. We want to post Christianity. Just post a, post an encouraging statement. Post a scripture. Post a message. Post this. And now we post around here. So I'm not against social media, but we cannot bring the totality of our Christianity down to that kind of notion. Well, I mean, I don't know what God was thinking. That's because you don't know God. When people will say, Pastor, I just came to you because I knew you would let me do this. I'm like, you don't know me at all. I don't let anybody do anything, really. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. It's just kind of known. Oh, no. I was telling Chief something the other day. She said, oh, yeah, you were the right person to have to deal with that because I dealt with it in a very sweet voice. Very sweet. And was like, No. We're not doing that, so let me know about this, this, and this. We don't know God, and that is true. We don't, but it's not because he can't be known. It's because we are not doing our due diligence on our end and our part in saying, Lord, let me find out what's going on here. Let me see, what did you say? The first thing, you here's an inside tip. The first thing you have to do in order to get to know God is to actually believe that his word has all the answers. Now, we have, you know, these newer translations, I don't know what they're saying. I like the older ones because they're saying more of what he's saying. But the first thing you have to say is this answer is in here somewhere, and I'm going to find it. Now, with today's technology, you can go to Google on your phone, and you can say, okay, let me open this up here. What? And, and I'll do this sometimes, especially if I'm not quite sure where I'm going with it. Uh, what does the Bible say about? And then it pulls it up. Now, you kind of sometimes take that with a grain of salt, but or if you're asking it the wrong way. Well, what does the Bible say about marijuana? Well, marijuana, that name isn't in there, but it is talking about being intoxicated and being sober. So sometimes you have to reword it the right way because we get hair splitting on what it says and doesn't say in our contemporary vernacular and not what it's actually saying. You know, everybody has that one child that's going to let you know what you did or didn't say. That was me. <laughs> Nobody would believe that, though, right? <laughs> I was that kid. Most apostles and prophets were that kid. Had to have the last say. Had to be hair splitting. Had to always let somebody know, that's not what you said. You said this. You said that. And you're like, you know what? My mom said at my birthday party the other week, 
She shared a memory and how every day after school, I would just unload the whole day on her, tell her everything I knew, which was everything. And then she would say, Ashley, go to your room. Like every day, she sent me to my room. Every day. Go to your room. I mean, I'd go to my room for a minute, but I knew it was a punishment, go to your room. It was just get out of my face, go to your room, which is not really go to your room to me. And then I'd be back. And then she'd say, didn't I send you away? Yes, but I know you didn't mean it. (laughs) Because I know her. And so we don't know God. We don't. And if we don't make it our business to know him, to know him, yes, in the fellowship of his suffering, yes, to know him in all the ways that we don't want to know, but I tell you what, it's through these years of the fellowship of his suffering in which we have learned the most about who he is. Because when you're in your high times in Christ and you're in your glory days, there are things you don't think about his enemies because you're not thinking about your enemies. What does Solomon know about God's enemies? Nothing. What did he know about David's enemies? Nothing. Because his father did all the bloodshed. His father did all the heavy lifting. His father went to war and war and war and war and amassed so much wealth. Come on, you're talking about everybody's eating on silver. There's just silver all over the place, gold all over the place. I don't even, I can't even understand that. (laughs) There is no poverty in your nation. And not only is there no poverty, everybody's eating off of gold and silver. See, there's no poverty, and then there's, whoops, and then there's everybody is living large. Even the lowest level is living large compared to normal standards. Do you know what David, the price he paid for that kind of wealth? And that kind of opulence, the fear that he put into other nations in the name of his God, Yahweh, that's a tremendous, uh, mm. see, we start with, yeah, we want the days of Solomon, don't we? We want to live large, prosperity message, yeah, we don't, we don't want the warfare message. We want the prosperity, we want the, the after effects, we want the afterglow. Oh, no, I don't want to hear that news. No, no, no. So when God throws us into trial and warfare, the first thing we do is call it everyone run. If we don't fight through God's opposition, he will never win. We keep waiting again, going back to what we said. We keep waiting for him to do it, and he's waiting for us to do it. He is empowered. He has given the earth to us. It is in our custodial care. He is waiting for us to do it. There are no magic angels that are going to come down from heaven and say, oh, God, wait, don't. Don't war. We're going to war for you. Okay, fine. I'm going to be over here. Just go bring me the spoils of war. Very good. That's nowhere. That's nowhere. There was a war in heaven. So you know if there was a war in heaven, there's going to be wars on earth. And we have to think about that. Lucifer was in heaven first. Iniquity was found in him there. Closer to God than any of us can even fathom or imagine. That's where it found it. And we think somehow we are exempt at this lower level on the earth realm. And it's just not true. It's just not true. We have a ways to go. But it is certainly within our reach to do. We're training up here apostles and prophets in particular. And we are, we are producing a specific result. There is no guesswork in how we work our students, and in how we groom them and prepare them, which is why when we see something contrary to the end result, we're like, that's not it. That's not going to work. 
this is the old thing. <laughs> and when we see something that's right, okay, don't walk on acting like there's no encouragement around here. And when it's <laughs> new students, <laughs> they're in boot camp. You know what happens in boot camp? You get yelled at all day and all night. Yelled at to get out the bed. Get in line. And you know what? Real soldiers fall in line. Real soldiers fall in line. Real civilians go home. <laughs> Dr. Price says, I make my training program part on purpose, especially in the beginning. She said, start hard and get easy. Do you believe this is easy, Dr. Price? I want you to know it is. Because she was my teacher. Both times. Both rounds. People who say they want to be all in her face, I'm like, you don't know what you're saying. You don't know what you are saying. But real soldiers buck up under the process. They thrive even though they're crying in the process, and they're better for it. Real civilians who just want the fruit of what the soldiers have to do are like, I'm out. And you're going to find excuses. You're going to find reasons. It's going to be your family. It's going to be your money. Just say you don't want to do it. Don't blame anybody else. This is you. Because these other people have the same issues. I mean, you moved from your entire family. Pretty much on the dime. Baby granddaughter, cutest little, okay? I mean, just a little shadow. The whole thing. But God, but she said, oh, but I have a higher calling. But, but the throne is calling me, see? And when people recognize that the throne is calling them, I got to go. The throne beckons. Because really, the throne doesn't ask. It summons. And you can ignore a summons. And you know what happens when you ignore a summons in life? That outstanding warrant can sit there on your life for a long time. And you get pulled over for a speeding violation. I know this happened to somebody. And that officer pulls it up. And there's a warrant out for your arrest for something else that you didn't even realize. It, could, it was somebody else who lodged a complaint against you. And we have a lot of saints out there with outstanding warrants on their lives because they ignored the summons of God. Is that you? You cannot walk through your whole life explaining away and rationalizing your disobedience and then being in shock when the judge calls all the warrants. You ever watch these television shows? These cops do these warrant roundups. <laughs> Especially when they're looking for something else. Now, this is television. I don't know about life, all right? I am not a police officer. But on the TV, and I'm separating fiction from reality right now, when they need a means to get into an area that they can't get in any other way, do a war roundup. Somebody out there, then they pull them up, got 25 people out there, bring them all in. And throw this one out. Yeah, I said I got lock this one up. This is the one we're looking for. Oh, perfect, perfect. See, we have saints out there with outstanding warrants on their lives, outstanding obediences, disobediences, I should say. Not outstanding like yay, outstanding like no. <laughs> okay, not that good outstanding, that bad outstanding, negative. And when God pulls back His covering in His favor on your life. There is no escaping. There are big, crazy things begin to happen, but all those things that God was holding back because you were being obedient, he just, he actually can just get out of the way and let life 
run its course, let you stay, get you back on the same course you were on before he intervened. Because at the point of his intervention is when we're so grateful. We're so thankful. I told God I would do anything for him. Just You can use anything. Lord. You can use me. We're going to sing a song. We're going to go back to 1992. We're going to turn and cry. And he comes. See, we want him to come knocking in that season when we're grateful, when it's fresh. The rescue is fresh. No, no, no. He's been waiting 25 years. No. When you're all settled, and you have the this, and you have the that, and you have whatever. And he's like, remember that favor you said I could call in? Oh, well, uh, this is how we start. This is how you know you're about to do God wrong. Uh, um, <laughs> favor, Lord? And see, he might come at you through a prophet first. And you're going to stand in that line looking at that prophet like they're alive. <laughs> We've seen it. I know. I've been on the receiving end. Somebody looking at me like, I don't know which time my boss is. Yes, you do. Don't even play games with me right now. Don't even play games with God. And you stand there. Well, I don't know what you're talking about, but if you say that's God, then that's God. Mm-hmm. Yep. The more I get that attitude, oh, the more I know it's the Lord running all up in your 25-year-old, 30-year-old business 10 years later. You have an outstanding obedience to the Lord. I obey God. I know you're deceived because we all have sin on the line somewhere. Somewhere all have sin. We are all falling short right now somewhere. And so we have that. I, 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 I don't know. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now with God's apostle that he is cashing in on favors in this next dispensation. He is calling them in. If he broke you through, he's calling in that favor. If he uh, resurrected your kid out of their deathbed, he's calling in that favor. If he saved a pregnancy that should have went sideways, he's calling in that favor. If he saved you from running off of a cliff because your car went out of control, you blew a tire, he's calling that favor. He's calling them in because he has a job to get done. When do we see that with high officials when they call in favors? When there's something in the system that's blocking them and they have to break through. But it has to break through. Yeah, God is going to ask you to put your job on the line so he can break through. But what I love about Esther, she said, if I perish, I perish. But you know what? She didn't perish. But she didn't perish because she obeyed God. Mordecai let her know, don't think that you will escape because you're in this palace. Don't think that they're not going to kill you too because you're the king's wife. Don't think so. But she became the high queen because she put her life on the line for God, not for her own selfish gain, not for anything else. She knew I could be a goner either way. And that's the kind of obedience that God is calling in right now on his saints. He has strategically placed some of you in jobs. He has strategically placed some of you in careers, even in your family, strategically placed for you to be the deciding factor on how how something goes. This is not the time for the era of the coward. This isn't it. Dr. Price said, did you say it on Sunday? Lord, I'm getting my messages mixed up between the videos, the audios, and the live sermons and the shows, where she said that uh, this isn't the era of the sheep, this is the lion. Christ is coming as a lion. Was that Sunday? Yeah. Sounds like Sunday. We're going to say it was Sunday. 
that the lion of the tribe of Judah is coming forth. You ever hear a lion roar? Anybody here ever hear a lion roar in person? I was at the Tulsa Zoo several years ago. I don't know why I was there. Oh, my friends were running a 5K. I was not running the 5K they were. I was cheering them on probably a go. Okay? And so afterwards, we were walking around, and this lion was in his cave, and he was just like grumping. Hey, come on over, we man. That's why you came in here. I'll fly over. Or you want to sit here? What's here? Yay! Speaking of prophet Dion, okay, you grab that mic over there. And so, in. and so the lion was walking around, and he was, and his echo was so, he wasn't even roaring. I don't even know what he was doing. It's not like he was clearing his throat. Really? Do lions clear their throat? I don't know. But that's what it sounded like he was doing. And he was so loud, everybody stopped because it was a little scary. And that's when you start thinking, how safe is this zoo? Can that lion actually jump across that night? Can they scale this wall? I just, I don't know. All of a sudden, I felt a little unprotected because that lion was revving up. Now, he didn't end up not doing anything, but he was just revving up. And I thought, right now, Jesus Christ, he's revving up. He's starting. He's stirring. You can tell his apostles are getting fired up. His prophets are getting loud. We can't help. We're ranting all the time about something in this office, something that the kingdom of darkness is doing, somebody that God needs to break through. You can walk down these halls pretty much any time of day and know that we are fuming. Why? Because God, he's fuming. He's stirring up. That lions are intentional. They're hunters. And they can stalk their prey. And right now I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is stalking Satan. No matter what the media wants us to believe. Man, I like having you sitting here. I'm getting all fired up. See, why you need apostles and prophets together. No matter what the media wants you to believe. No matter what television shows want you to believe. I don't care that it's 50 years of gay pride. It does not matter. All these things that they're pushing in our faces. I'm telling you, they're doing it because they know their time is up. You better get your heyday in while it counts. Because tomorrow, you will die. At least his agenda will. Okay? Agenda. And that is where he is. He is just fine. That's why so many people can't believe they're saying things they're saying as Christians. I just didn't mean to say that. I know the Lord just jumped on through you. Didn't he just fired you up? He just gave you courage. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Oh, but I don't want to be strong and powerful. Right? We say it when we need a miracle. But not when we actually need to do something for the Lord. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. (laughs) And then we start emphasizing. You know why? Because on the other side of Jericho, there's a whole lot more wars. There's a lot of fighting we're going to have to do. We bring down Jericho, that is just the beginning. So you better get your milk and honey now. Get the fruit, the grapes. Oh, there's, there's plenty. Plenty. He fed him in the wilderness book. He got to look at him thing down. We were, we're good on that. But what do you think, Prophet D? I mean, you're out there. You're dealing with this generation, these young people. And I appreciate your show, by the way. I don't have children, and I'm not a child. But I tell you what, I appreciate profiting this generation. Do you know why? Because we are all alive on the planet together. And wisdom is not bound by age. Applied wisdom, that is, you know. Even you're speaking to parents, you're speaking to young people, but, hey, I'm like, 
let me say, I'm at my desk working on it. Let me just say this little note right here of what she said because we need to so speak into how, what are you seeing, the evidence of the Lord just firing up his saints in this, in this hour? Uh, well, I think that part of how we see how God is moving is how, how we start shifting, even as believers, when you start seeing um, people shifting from what looks like it's popular, it looks like it's trendy, uh-huh. we see a shift from that. Um, and you know that God is really stirring up, like, that truth. We have that truth gene, you know, yeah. when, he's, when he's pressing for that and pressing for really that line in the sand becomes thicker. We've talked about that on this broadcast a lot, that we never imagined that the line in the sand would be Christian to Christian. You know, we always thought that we were going to be dealing with uh, opposing each other for people who are saying that they're not Christian. You know, I think that evidence that God is moving is that we have this line with each other, you know, where it's like the person that you're looking at, the you're like, what kind of Christian are you exactly? When you say you're Christian, what does that mean? You know, and I think that's not what we imagined, but that's that's the reality. Because when you think about the opposition that Jesus faced when he was walking the planet, well, there they were God-fearing. You know, so we're talking about him talking with the Pharisees, talking with the Sadducees. These were people who believed that they were God-fearing. It wasn't like he was fighting always with people who did not believe that they were serving the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just like the, just like John the Baptist's disciples that he captured and brought into the knowledge of the truth that he was speaking. They all thought they were serving God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it's interesting that that, that those were the voices that he was warring with yes. at that time as well. So I think it's evidence, again, that the Spirit of God is stirring and stirring us up because we're starting to say, now, wait a minute, exactly what kind of brand, what kind of breed of Christian are you? And us having to connect tend with each other, that's where that's when you recognize that there, there's a, a distinct difference between the sound of Christ Christianity and the sound of culture Christianity. Ooh, come on. I was listening to um, a, a message, not the message, I was listening to Paul Price show from uh, 2018 this morning. And at that time, Dr. Price was really pushing us understanding culture, craft, Christianity. Uh-huh. Um, and the reality is that there's a voice of it. There's a sound of it. And see, now we have these two different sounds. And so you're either, you're never neutral. Something yeah. you have to understand. There's never, there's not, you're not in a faithless state. You're never neutral. You're serving something. So now we're seeing, you know, there's the wave of those who are trying to follow what they believe is that Christ breed, that Christ brand, and then you've got the wave that are following that culture brand. Mm-hmm. But what's so difficult is they're both calling it Christianity. I think that that is the most difficult part, especially for young people, and why it's important that they have to be in settings like this where they're hearing the sound of truth and they're hearing the sound of the word, the sound of the scriptures, because yeah. even the very sound of the scriptures has been so drowned out. We have a lot of watered-down scripture all these different translations, you know, taking something that was a very simple principle and then flowering words, it's so watered down. I was looking at something on Instagram the other day, and it gave a scripture reference on the bottom, but the way that it was written, I was like, that's not, I know that's not in the Bible. I knew it. Like, I was like, the way that it was written, I was like, <laughs> so I go and I look up the scripture, and I'm like, no. That was it, was, it was completely summarized. It was paraphrased. There were things that were added there that weren't quite there. And I thought, I think that people can understand that the plowman will overtake the reaper. I think that they understand that concept and that it doesn't need to be said in about a thousand ways. That was the scripture that was taken from, but it was so unrecognizable that I was like, what is this scripture? Like, I've never read the scripture in the Bible before and knew that it wasn't in those traditional, you know, um, those traditional translations. But but that's, that's the reality is that, you know, you asked what are our young people facing. Yeah. The, you know, where, which way will they sway? You know what I'm saying? Because, see, now it's Christianity is drawing 
and Christianity is drawn. Yes. You know, so those who have a, an ear to hear, eyes to see the truth, they're trying to follow with that gospel. But there's another strand that's calling them. And I think that that's the reality that we have to wake up to. So there's two strands. So, you know, you may have a young person at home, and they're telling you that they're God-fearing, but you're going to have to start expecting and looking at the fruit and the product. So that's where we are. We're going to have to start looking at the product in order to find out where, who's who. And we won't know the product unless we know the word. Exactly. Because we, know what to measure we, we don't. Well, let's see here. Matthew, uh, what? 24, 24. Our classic. Okay, 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, what does it say? Believe it not. 24, for there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. See, we think the false don't have any gain. Oh, yeah. But they got gain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? They got gain. And it says here, and they shall show great signs and, and wonders in so much that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, this word of God, okay, let's see, it says, Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whoever, for whosoever the carcass is, the yeah carcass is wheresoever the carcass is. It takes two of us to read this Bible, okay? <laughs> the eagles be gathered together. So this scripture is telling us there are false Christ. Dr. Christ always teaches us what we learn about false gods. What we don't teach about are false Christ. Okay. And this is Matthew New Testament for everybody who's going to fight about it. Matthew first book in the New, okay? And rise up. Now, this is not an audio archive, but I think we should have a throwback Thursday to the knockoff Christian. Oh, yeah. This is a perfect day for you to go online to the e-store and download the knockoff Christian. It is an audio. Dr. Price did after what event? It was a Sunday uh, of an event. Yeah, TBTF. Uh, several years ago when she wrote down the knockoff Christian, we, we might need to put that back in circulation. I think we need to do that. When she was talking, I wrote it down because we need to know about what are the knockoff Christians. We just, oh, sometimes you want to be like, come on, guys. It's right here. I love it. Christ is here. Believe it not. He's over there. Believe it not. So Jesus Christ was not deceived. He knew that they were going to be, well, people were already coming before he came saying they were the Christ. Right? Are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? Should I follow another? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Nothing has changed. When we when there's nothing new under the sun. God said there's nothing. That means there's nothing new. But if we don't know what is actually already in existence, then we don't know what to look for. So we have defenseless Christians walking around, believing every wind of doctrine that blows through. We got doctrines of devils, machinations of men. We have all kinds of things contrived. And people not realizing you are under a false Christ. You're in a false, when you talked about in your statement, the false Christian, the Jesus Christ Christian. And in ABC's of Apostleship too, she does a section on the Jesus Christ Apostle from the false apostle. That this is why um, that, it, especially in this season, that we have to stop running from teaching environments where we're being taught, we're being instructed. Because if you look at the wave of 
churches now. We're we're going heavy, heavy on experience, 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 experience God, experience his love, experience his anointing, experience his presence. Dr. Price said something in her teaching last year that the having an experience with God brings the vessel right closer to God, but it does not bring God closer to you. That the knowledge of God brings God closer to you. And I was like did it hurt you again? You alright? <laughs> having these multiple experiences experiences with God are helping us to know him better or empowering us to know him better when really it's making us feel good about saying that we know God. And we've got to begin to move from that. And I think that's also like going to be the evidence and the fruit of, of, of when we see a real shift happen in the power structure where people start thirsting after being taught being instructed in the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. You know, um, Daniel says that those that know their God, right, 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 will do great exploits. Right. Those that know their God. So it's important that we understand the knowledge of God is what's actually going to catapult us to a place. And we have that's, this is why it's important to have conversations like this because we have to know what, why, what's going on isn't exactly kosher. Like why what's going on isn't in alignment. Because right. Right. people, you know, think of apostles and prophets that, that all we do is complain all the time or say that this is wrong, this is wrong. And I think that that only happens when you're listening to apostles and prophets who don't know why. They can't tell you why that's wrong. They can say, well, that move isn't right, but they, they can't pinpoint. They can't say that's why that's not working or that's why God's not in that. So we need to recognize that's why this movement towards having just heavy, heavy experiences and dumbing down the knowledge. And I'm going to go back to the Bible piece because I think that's, I mean, this Bible piece is huge. Yes. You know, because I teach kids, yes. it's just, it's so, it's so real for me. You know, you're, I'm sitting in a class, I've got these 10 kids, and we can't read the Bible together, you know, because the, the versions are just too different. And kids are so funny because they're just like, that's not in my Bible. <laughs> and they get stuck, right? And so you, you can try to tell a kid, I, I know, I know that's not exactly what your Bible says, but, but, but it's that same verse. No, it's not because that's <laughs> They are literal. Okay? They're so literal. You know, that's how they think. So I think that working with them from that perspective has helped me even see the consequence of it even more by, by, by you know, working with kids on that level. But that's why those translations are so important and that we recognize because the, the dumbed-down knowledge of God is also preventing God from drawing near to us. Yes. And that's the problem. And remember us up, right? You don't want to bring God too close when you're not ready. But um, when you were talking about, uh, man, my thoughts just escaped me. I mean, three thoughts running together. How we have dumbed this down, watered this down, and this whole experiential thing. So to me, a lot of Christian relationships with the Lord, what happens is we're experienced now. And it's like people who just think because they have some amazing dates with somebody that they'll have a great marriage. Because they've had some moments. Facebook, oh, look at us, we're at the rainbow lights, look at us, look at us, look at us, we got lights, okay? <laughs> you know, that's a dating picture in December, it's also, you're going to see a thousand pictures, <laughs> okay, you have, they're beautiful, we love you, rainbow lights, we do rainbow lights, we love you, okay, <laughs> and we have them right at dinner, and I said yes, like, so we have all these moments, and then you have a wedding, and then, 18 months later, their name goes back to their maiden name. 922 pictures disappear over their Facebook. And you're like, are you no longer married? Oh, no, that just didn't work out. 
Well, why not? Because you got married on a series of experiences and not tried substance. Try. When I grew up, I had people who told me, look, until you've been through a trial with somebody, don't marry them. Until you've seen them at their lowest, at their worst point, whatever, you need to know what's coming out of that person when life hits the walls. You need to know. And we want to bypass all that. We want we want a salvation without triumph. We want to walk with God. It's just all roses. And then when things go wrong, we end up in other things. But that is so true, that experience. Experiential peace. I mean, we see now more and more, it's just the mood light. We have mood lighting in church. Mood lighting in church. Mood lighting. Smoke. Well, experiences are non-committal, so I think that that's part of the reason why we do that. Because if we have an experience, we don't have to I'm done. I'm letting her talk. No. Well, they are, right? No, yes. You go, you go to one concert, that doesn't mean that you're going to be like BFFs with the guy that's doing the concert. Like, you just want to experience the music. You want to be a stalker. <laughs>
their pockets and to mislead you and to keep you out of the knowledge of the truth. This is why, again, God, but somebody say God is stirring them. God is stirring. This is why you need to come out next week. I'm trying to tell you. This is why. Because not all of us are stupid as the stupid does. A lot of us are like, no. A lot of us are like, hmm. A lot of us aren't impressed with your skinny jeans and your leather coat. A lot of us are like, no, I don't care about that.
That's a problem because that means that there is not a spirit of Christ that is breaking the bonds, that is breaking the chains, and that church is breaking the people. Not just homosexuality. Let's say you have those churches that, you know, 50% of the, the couples are are promiscuous relationships. You know, so that means that there's something that's coming. Because the thing is, the, the, the spirit of sin is uncomfortable in the presence of Christ. It's just the reality. So, you know, we, what we looked at that is if, if, if people were, see, that's where I think we missed it a lot as a church because we felt like if people were uncomfortable that we were doing something wrong. Dr. Grace was just talking about this. If people are uncomfortable, we're doing something right because the spirit of Christ is going to push on sin, on depravity, on degradation. The spirit of Christ is going to push back against that. So we got it wrong when we started saying well, people need to feel comfortable in those pews. They need to feel uncomfortable enough to make a shift, uncomfortable enough to make a change. So we have to start looking at that because, you know, people, I'm sure, are asking that question, how am I going to know, really, if, if I'm sitting, you know, in a house that is motivated by the true spirit of Christ? Look at the outcome. The spirit of Christ brings healing. Deliverance. If people are sitting in those churches and they are not being motivated to change from the inside, motivated to, to exchange sin for righteousness, there's something happening. There's something awry in the spirit that is released over that house, whether they're preaching from this word or not. We were just talking about that pastor who came out and said, basically let everyone know he was never saved. He closed down his church, never saved, and that he was renouncing Christianity because in his church, this were his words, he saw the same struggles that he would see in the world. And I'm thinking, that was because the blessing of God was not in your house. You literally were serving a false God and had a false church. There is such a thing as a false church. You know, so the reality is that we have to look at not just what they're saying, because this guy standing up every week preaching from this Bible and then later tells his entire congregation, I was never saved. I never believed a word of this. Do you, you see the same thing? But, but, as, but if, if we were to go and investigate his house, what did he actually admittedly say? No one's living well, okay? Yeah. He admits nobody in my church is yeah. blessed. Nobody's healed. Well, no wonder. <laughs> what in the world? Hello? Where the real spirit of Christ is. What do you say? I'm the Lord your healer. There'll be healing in that church, okay? There'll be some people will be getting up out of their hospital beds in that church. We have seen it. People in their hospital beds and then out. I'm telling you, where the spirit of Christ is, there is transformation. People's lives are changed. They come and they are. They can't stay the same. There's something that pushes them and compels them. And eventually, if they don't want to, they will leave a righteous house. Yes. They will leave. They will go. And more of the righteous will come in. So I think we've been committed to that, but recognizing that they may be they may be preaching this, right? But you have to look at all the environment of the church. And hopefully we'll get to talk about that a little more in these sessions that are coming up next week. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Romans chapter one. Uh, because again, we don't know God. Because, verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts was darkened. Yeah. God can darken your heart in foolishness. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. That's worshiping having to adorn all of this stuff other than the Lord. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie. See, people change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. 
for this cause. See, the Lord never turns people over without a cause. And this is, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, why you can't just jump out there and say, that devil struck down that man of God. And like you said, he's like, but I weren't weren't saved.
what is that? Implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Watching all those shows on television, your show, which is full of evil, wickedness, fornication, homosexuality. Oh, yeah, that's in there, too. People who can't help but share certain nights of the week on social media. You don't even want to be on there because everybody's talking about this show and everybody's talking about that. Christians talking about the most debased shows on television as my show is back on. I'm sorry, you're the pastor what? The apostle, the seer? Get no wonder your prophetic eye is off. Okay? You are in the lowest form of wickedness that you're watching every week. And see, they get you. God gets you coming and going. First, he's talking about the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Oh, so you can't even escape. I didn't do it, but you thought about it, so you might have, you're guilty like you did. And then we come right down here to Romans, where the adepts not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. There is, when there is something in your soul that enjoys that filth, you just can't live without it. Oh, I'm just devastated. My show is over. It's going off of life. We were at a minister's house once, and they had something on television. They're like, oh, this is our favorite show. I thought, oh, this is paid so much. <laughs> About so much right now. If this is one of your favorite shows, and I'm sure you have a lineup of them, I can see why you're ruthless. Because you love ruthless shows. That, that, that thing speaks to you, being ruthless, being mean, cutting your people down, cutting them off, cutting them out. Oh, okay. You really want to know what's in somebody's heart? Watch what they watch. You'll find out what they say. Find out what music they have and what they watch on television and books. That will really, really let you know. We were in a church one time, and the uh, guy in the sound was hooking up his MP3 player or something this was years ago, and he realized he grabbed the wrong one. I said, you grabbed the wrong one. He said, yeah, I was playing. I said, so I'm thinking uh, you have a decision. He said, in that moment, he realized it was a problem because he almost played the wrong music in church. And he said, I had to walk away. He said, I got rid of my secular music because I thought I had told myself it wasn't a big deal until I almost played it in church and realized it was a really big deal. He said, I can't play this in the house of the Lord. Maybe I shouldn't play it in my house either. <laughs> People are surprised when they look in our phones or whatever, and there's, you know, all Christian music. Oh, you have all Christian music on your playlist. Well, yes, I'm a Christian. <laughs> and I'm a worship leader. Somebody asked me, somebody asked me once, they said, so you don't go to secular concerts, do you? I said, no, because I don't listen to ungodly music. See, I, I stopped calling it secular and started calling it ungodly, because some of this mess in Christendom is ungodly. Yes, yeah, so I don't listen to ungodly music. Well, why not? Because it's a conflict of interest. I can't represent one God one day of the week and then really play up the others the other days of the week. It was such a non-religious answer that they weren't ready. It was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yes, because we bring everything down to, Jesus won't let me. That's the response they were waiting for. My pastor won't let me. Jesus won't let me. 
I'm married to Jesus. <laughs> you know, all these things. And I was like, I just can't. And I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember music because I'm a musician. I played instruments growing up, been singing my whole life. It's in the literal DNA. Yeah. So music doesn't just float through my consciousness. It stops and stays and it docks there and it finds a home. And then it forms its own playlist when I'm not playing it. I mean, that's what music does in all of us, right? You get that playlist going. And you're like, man, this song is just in my head today. I just don't even know. And so whenever I am in certain environments, if we're out in public, if we're whatever, and uh, all that music is going from like the 90s, especially when I was in high school and college and everything, I'm like, I was a real sinner. <laughs> because I know all this music. And I was in a strict Christian household. Before the digital age, you had to work to sneak face. In the 80s and 90s, you had to work. You had to have your little tape. You had to duplicate it. You had to put them in the, the Walkman. That's right. Plug in. You had to put the Christian labels. Everybody knew that really wasn't Michael W. Smith because it was Michael W. Smith with a star. <laughs> <laughs> so that really wasn't Smitty. That was, that was your compilation R&B mix. And then you had your compilation rap. You know, and he was, come on here. Well, I mean, God had to clean us yeah. out. And we were considered good Christian girls. Absolutely. And it was like, and it took an apostle to say, y'all filthy. What? Oh, no, you're a mess. Oh, so you like listening to that soft sex music. I said, wait, what? <laughs> oh, so you like listening to that soft sensual music. So not just, okay? Because it takes a real apostle to tell you that sin. That's the devil. I don't care if you put yourself on a low grade. Well, as long as I don't listen to it well, now. You know, back then there really wasn't a parental advisory like there is now. Well, I don't listen to that, so I'm okay. And then she was like, mm-hmm, you all need to get clean. That's why we were always on consecration. Had to get the world out of us. Had to get it out years. It took years to detox the world, not just out of your habits, but out of your desires. Because you can change your habits in a struggle. But once it's out of your desires, you know you're free. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's going to be a big part of that conversation. You know, we're talking about confronting the darkness of this year's TPTI. And I think that that's going to be a huge part of that conversation because the reality is we're not going to be able to confront any kind of darkness until we take it on in ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality. We've got so much in ourselves. I think this whole conversation has kind of been, we've been, you know, weaving in throughout those realities. We're not going to be able to take back, you know, God is always looking to get us to a place of strength as his church. So we just have to look at the purging, right, the correction, the alignment as him getting us back to that place. Yes. He recognizes we're not going to take out his enemies when we have his enemies in us. We know this. This is scripture. I'm talking scripture, okay? We know that how can how can Satan cast out Satan? Okay, we, we recognize, right? We just oh, we, we just don't like to look in the mirror and know that he's there. See, that's the thing. We'll say that, right? We're not, we had we had that comfortable, but knowing that we're looking back at him in ourselves. But the reality is, we are, you know, and we have to deal with that. No, no, we have to deal with no. that. We have to deal with that. I bind you. <laughs> there is no condemnation. We gotta deal with that because this is this is a really real thing. I believe it's gonna be so potent and so powerful. But I don't think we can have that confronting the darkness conversation and the pagan prophet conversation without recognizing those things in us 
and how we have to really work hard to get them out. We got to purge first. Um, there was such a powerful move of God that happened in our ministry on Sunday, and Dr. Price was saying, what I found so interesting is that, you know, the, the spirit of God was so high in the service, you know what I mean, the power of God moved so powerfully. And what does what she stand up and say? It's time to be purged. Yes. It's time for God to Ooh, cleanse. Yes. It's time for you to consecrate. But I thought it was so interesting that those were the words that she used, that, you know, after after this powerful move of God is moving to the house, what is he doing? Cleaning up. You're filthy. Right. We always look for the power of God to make us like these, you know, superhuman people. You yes. know what I'm saying? Like, we're, we're, we want the power of God to visit so we can do powerful things. Well, the power of God will visit that we might cleanse and be purged. Now get clean. Okay, now get right. That's not the affirming word you expect. No. Because, see, in other circles you get, God loves you. He's just bringing down his love. He's cleaning you out. I would. Yeah, get it out. It was great. And look at who's here. Wow. I was excited. I came in on the right spot. Welcome to the Paul Price Show. Well, good. I'm Paula Price. You are. Yes. I thought I'd drop in. Thank you. She came to the Jesus and Paula show. Yes. This is the Jesus and Paula show starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Oh, you can write books. Yes. The Jesus and Paula show. And I'm so excited because I was working on this because I wanted to say Jesus. You ought to get top billing. How many of y'all think God should have top billing? Yeah. yeah. That man is so good. I tell you the truth, he better stay in secret because I'll be all over him. He better you can continue to hide out, sir, because I'm going to be all over you because he's just that good to us. Yes, he is. I want to thank God for my team. Can you imagine? This is my I got them from Oral Roberts University, two young college students. Now they're running the show. Always girls. They were and they were girls. Lord help us. And they are now running the show. And I'm excited. Every time I hear them, every time I see them, I say, Lord, thank you that the labor was not in vain. You know, I want to speak to some of you leaders quickly here. You stop being around the folks that don't believe you. Stop wasting your time with the people who don't believe. Jesus himself didn't waste time with unbelievers. Yes. When he found out he could do no mighty work, what do he do? I'm out. I have to go find faith. And I'm telling you, if you only have a handful of folk, that's all you have. Yeah. Let them be believers. Because I want you to know believers become achievers. And those who believe will help you achieve all that God has given you. Yes. And I'm so, I listen to him. I get such a kick out because you know I'm like I got this whole proud mama thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yes, I do. I got nine of them. Nine, nine of them. And then I ended up with Pat out of uh, I don't even know Pat. But anyway, but she, she, you came to tell me. Let's just talk. Let's talk. Yes, let's That's talk. where we yes. met. And, and, and the 1996 prophetic conference in town. That's right. She saw me first at a, a prophetic conference here in Tulsa when I still lived in New Jersey, and I was, you know, transporting back and forth. And she remembered me. Yep. And, and, and who knew? You don't know where your destiny is going to float. Yeah. But I will tell you, I've learned that your destiny is tied to your geography. 
So you can be destined, working, slaving, everything, and nobody sees you. It's like you got a cloak over your head and a muzzle on your mouth. But when you get to where you should be, ought to be, and where God's going to prosper you, all of a sudden you say, that, 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 and people just stop. Because when it's your time, your place, and your season, the reasons for what you went through happen. And I'm just excited about that. I'm so excited. I remember getting all of them, and they're sitting in my living room, and I'm looking at them now, and I'm like, these women helped me build this thing, and now they're, now they're running it. Because there are a lot of people, a lot of you, you might have missed your destiny because you ran. Because not because you just, not only because you ran your destiny, but because you probably ran to someone who didn't have you in them. Because many times, you know, we had that thing, just choose your church and choose your ministry and choose your, your pastor and, choose, and you chose unwisely. Because you didn't recognize David's future. David had 600 family, families out of millions who believed the word of the Lord on his life. The rest of them, there were a lot more in the outside. We know Abigail did, so much so that she apologized for her foolish husband. <laughs> And ended up being the second wife David got. You know, back then they let him have a lot. Don't understand that. <laughs> you got that. There they go. But she became wealthy, and he was wealthy. She gets all of her husband's uh, property, belongings, and she goes and joins David. So she adds to David the wealth that her husband, her foolish husband, gave and died for. Because David only said, could you give us some? That's it. And he ends up dying. Some of you all, I'm giving you a challenge these next three months. Ask God who the the rising David is in his future. Because some of you are still chasing the fallen star. When that star falls, you are going to be crushed or you're going to be abandoned. So stop hanging your your future on God's past and start hooking your wagon to his future. Wow. Some of you all are going to kick yourself by the time we get to 2023 because in your mind, all you did for God, and I gave this, and I sold that, but you never asked God was it for the present that was passing away or the future. When Jesus hit the planet, you know, we like Jesus, remember him? When Jesus hit the planet, he was rejected all the time. Only those people who had the eyewear or the optics of the future to see past tomorrow stayed with him. And follow him. Far too many people judged him for external reasons. He wasn't tall enough. He wasn't short enough. He wasn't fat enough, thin enough. He didn't wear fine clothes. He wasn't riding on the best horses, whatever. But if you're called to the future, you are innately intuitive and most likely prophetic. It is bad for prophets to not know God's future. And most of them don't because they're too busy serving their own and setting, staging their own future. 
So then God goes and moves, and then all that you poured your heart into is swept away with the tides of the present. So ask yourself, because some of you are fuming, others are sick, others are suffering, some of you are very, very poor, uh, but ask yourself, can I say that? Yes. Did you sow for your present and your vision of your future, or did you latch on and put seed in the ground for God's future? Did you make your destiny more important than his future? Because, see, you, in order for you to do that, this is so good. I know I, I don't have but a few minutes, but it, the Lord just wants me to drop this thing. In order for you to be in God's future, you've got to know some very critical things. Number one, you have to know who's going to live and who's going to die. Because you have to know if everything you pour into is going to be around. Or will your seed die in the ground? The next thing you need to know is are they in right standing with God? Are they in a fallen state? Have they defected from the Almighty and it's just undercover? Will they be exposed in a scandalous in your, in your future? You need to know that. You need to know if they are operating on a present vision or are they building a future venture? Because some people are literally meant for the present that you meet them. And that's all God's going to give them. You have to know where God is building and what God is healing. Because many of you, you follow ministries that are dead. You follow ministers that are, that are gone, sick, out of God's service, crazy, sinful, scandalous. You did that because you chose according to the future you were crafting for yourself. And the biggest mistake this, the last three decades of Christians have made is that they didn't, they were so busy trying to be equal, they did not prepare themselves for God's equal. Yes, yes. You like it? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, because you thought it was the end. That you were in, you felt was the end. That was all God had to give. That's all he had to do. You also need to know what culture is turning to, what's shifting, what's, what are the tides changing to. You can't just get caught up in ebb and flow in your time. You have to really know what the world that you're in the planet to, to serve and rescue in the name of Jesus Christ is going to look like in the future. See, a lot of the stuff that you sold into is was already done. So you sold into uh, uh, beliefs, ideologies, philosophies, and, and, and you sold in all of that, and you did it exclusively from the pew. You never surveyed the terrain. You know, I often tell my team, when I was getting trained for my job in communications and I was sitting in these meetings, these high um, sales and marketing meetings, and they were back, this is back in 82, and they said, you know, one day people are going to pay for television. Nobody believed. One day we're going to have 900 numbers, and they're going to do psychics and pornography, etc. One day skin will reign as the main attraction. They called those things 
40 years ago. Do you know what their plan is? Now, if you come next week, you will see it because we have a major, major presentation on the future. So you are asking God to bless you for the future. But whose future is it? Mm. So if you are touching God's future, you need to be supplied. So what, what will the education be? I mean, think about the people I learned typing when I was like 14, 15 years old, maybe 16, and we typed on the typewriter. I was one of the first people who typed on one of the first, um, what do you call it? Word processors. Word processors. Quinn Davis. We had the little cassette. We put the cassette in there. We typed. That passed through. But those people created the need and a place for themselves for the future they were already waiting for. What are you doing to prepare yourself for God's future? Are you sitting around moaning and groaning because God seems to have left you? Are you moaning and groaning because your favorite pastor, your favorite preacher, your favorite whatever is falling in sin, not serving God any longer, not changing? Are you starved? Because you're probably starved because God has been feeding his future agents, change agents, representatives, and vessels for a long time. But you left it because they weren't big enough. So now the big has gotten bored. And you're bored. You don't want to say that, but that's what it is. You're bored. You've heard the same message over and over and over and over again. Different way, different style. As a matter of fact, they put so much effort into uh, set designs and into backgrounds and backdrops because they have nothing for the foreground. So are you ready for God's future? Or are you one of those that are just waiting for your chance in the present? Because if you are, you're never going to get it. There's no chance of you getting it. And that's part of what we're doing. One of the reasons we have such difficulty is because we've never learned God ourselves. You've learned scripture. You've learned Bible. Isn't it wonderful? But how is it going to get you ready for God's tomorrow? We got prophets who can't tell you God's tomorrow. And those that are on the scene, those that are public, they're, they're still feeding you the same prophecies. Because they're written out of the future. Do you know when a prophet has been written out of the future? Can you discern it? Because when a prophet is written out of the future, tomorrow seems like today. Just another day in Jesus. Just another day in the Lord. Amen. And they have not been trained to go beyond the word that they have been given, meaning that they did not let God carve the larger place in their spirit. Jesus said, why do you seek to kill me? It's because my word has no place in you. Do you Has God carved the place for his future communications in you? See, these are technical things. When we've taught you not to be technical, we've taught you to be spiritual. Abstract. Are you still running around talking about God is love like he has not grown since you haven't grown? 
You know, people who keep saying the same redundant things are proving they've not grown an inch in God. Not an iota. Because when you grow in God, God literally changes your talk, changes your language. He expands your brain. He opens up his horizons to you. If you're still saying God is love and that's all you know, you are fired. <laughs> because the essence of divine communications is that you speak for the divine. God's not handicapped. He's not bound. He's not cast, handy or otherwise. But if your message has not changed, consider how the world has changed. To keep up with the changes in the world. Oh, somebody, I think it's Hold on, I'm back. See, you know that you're left behind in God's prophetic because your message and your methods have not changed. And you are scrapping to cover them, to maintain them, and to protect them. Somebody needs to tell you this because some of you all are wondering, well, I don't understand what's going on. If you haven't grown with the changes of the world, you're fired. Or you are, have become cemented in place. You're not going to go forward. It's very important for you to understand how God does things. And God, when you read Scripture, there is nothing in the Scripture that says God advances with repetitive, redundant prophets. As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. We look at Ahab, prophets repetitive and redundant, can't see the future. God has one person who can see the future, and he's out in the brush. He's not in the big conferences, not in the big meetings. And he has the answer to the future. So God, if God has put a bronze sky over you, if he's pulled your plugs from his communication channel, if he has literally closed your circuit, you are going to maintain where you are, and he will pass people through on the way to the truth. You have to know that. A lot of you are prophetic trainers and developers. It is your job to prepare people for God's future and not just their ministry. It's more, your job is more than telling people how to predict the future. You need to train them to reign it. Reign it in and reign over it. So when we talk about where we're going and how we're doing, like when I, when I started training my prophets early in the year, and you know, bless God, this here to help us. <laughs> but when I started training my prophets, they give me a prophecy, and you know how how everybody, yay, Lord God, spoke. I said, ho 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 ho. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about those predictions. I need you to tell me how it's going to fit in the future, how we're going to recognize that's happening, because it's the future that says whether or not you are a true or false prophet. It's a true future that says whether or not you're a lying prophet. You're a deceived prophet. And it will also tell you whether or not you are an underdeveloped prophet. And most prophets are too egotistical to care about being equipped for God's future. But education is always for the future. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Education is always for because while you're in school, you work in the pay for the tuition. And get the homework. So when you are in a prophetic education program or environment and all you're learning is how to prophesy, you are not being trained for to be a prophet. That's number one. You're, you're being trained to be a diviner. So we need to know the difference because the only thing you get from the invisible world 
statements regarding a future that may or may not be. Because when you become, and I'm going to finish on this, I only have a few minutes, so I don't want to miss this, so I'm going to go on down to show you some of the things we're doing. I want to go to where I can give you something to think about. Here we go. Would you like your own prophetic practice and not just a prophetic ministry? Aren't you tired of just being a predictor that you can't even prove? Because if you're predicting what you're talking about hasn't happened, so you can't be proven until it happens. Let's talk about official prophets and agency practices. The prophets of Scripture were not merely predictors. They may have been recorders, but they were not predictors. When you join us this week, we're going to talk to you about prophetic ed, going from being a ministerial prophet to the discharge of an agency. Because, see, the prophets in the Bible couldn't just say and please. And when they did, it's only because their lives were at risk. Prophets are supposed to be able to say, watch it come to pass, or compel it to come to pass. You think devils are going to be so excited because you predicted? Nobody cares. They don't care. They are looking for who has the power to bring it to pass, who has the power to push it through. That they have a problem with. Now, they have a problem with me. Because I got a problem with them. And so you have to find out where God's power is moving and not just people slain in the spirit and eyes and ears and nose and toes and, and cars and houses and carrying on. You know, your banker can predict you get ready to get a car loan. <laughs> so you don't need a price of waste of prophetic estimate. Okay? Your banker, your boss can predict you're going to get money in two weeks. <laughs> so I don't like I, 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 I think that God has prophets at every level and if that's not you please don't walk away offended but let me just tell you I'm called to the elite and I want I want to be the high officer like the, the, like the, the high officers in, in federal government I want to be the high officers and I'm training those who want to be the top and not just be is it time it's time to give. Uh, today, so Rachel's going to put the information on the screen for you guys. You can give today via Cash App. Her Dr. Price's tag is Dr. Paul Price. On Cash App, you can also do PayPal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. And then you can also give by text to give, which is going to be 918-608-1378. 918-608-1378. This is a good word today. You know you need to invest in this. And to be here with us next week. You're going to learn that. Until then, those of you who are coming, buy your ticket. Hallelujah. Buy your ticket. Buy your airfare. I release funds for you to get it. I release opportunities. I send people to sow into your life for you to get here. Now, if, you, if they sow into your life and you don't come, well, mm, all I want to say is leftover manner. And so, so I want to, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm giving you time off by the Holy Ghost so your boss should clear you. And if they don't, then you're going to have to decide to use an unpaid day or whatever. 
And if you're in a blackout time, I think that you are going to test your faith. <laughs> Amen. We want you here. It's going to be astounding, like nothing you've ever dreamed or imagined in God, because this is God. This is the transitional event. God is turning the corner. This is the page turner. We are going to get ready for the future. And do we know what it looks like? Because you all been listening to a future where we're going to be walking around too, but saying, Carol, no, that's not what we're doing, baby. We, this is this is really humble downtown. This is fight time. And you need to know how prophets fight. Because prophets are God's muscle. See you Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty where God stands. And Wednesday when we kick off the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. God bless you. Yeah, I know.